Greetings in Jesus' name. Man, hallelujah. And even as the Lord was assuring us, you, there is no reason for a Christian to be discouraged. Man, there's absolutely no reason for a Christian to be downcast. Man, or low. You cannot, you cannot have, you know, my, my pastor used to always say, there cannot be dry, dry patches in a Christian's life. We cannot have dry patches in our life. Because a Christian is always drawing from the strength of God. We heard that this morning. We are always drawing from God. He's our inexhaustible source. Man, he's in love with us. You know what to do? What can the world do about it? Jesus is in love with us. He loves us so dearly. Amen. He has set his affection on us. The Bible says, God has set his affection on us. Hallelujah. Everything, every transaction that is made in the kingdom, every transaction that is made in your life as a Christian with this God is based on love. Love is the absolute. Everything is with reference to love. Now that's why when you go through a, a situation, when you go through something unexpected, you can still be assured that this God loves us. Man, we can, we can fall back on his love. We've been on this journey lately considering a few amazing characters in the Bible. I hope you're, you're, you're coming with me on this journey. I know that some of you are. I hope all of you are coming with me on this journey. Are you? Man, is the Lord ministering to you? Is the Lord shaping your understanding? Man, we, we looked at a few characters. Let's, let us ask the Lord to minister to us even today as we continue to look into this um, the series uh, that we are on. Father, we ask of you, speak to us. Minister your word with clarity. Minister your word with clarity. Let your word come to us without filter. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me and I will put no filter to what you speak. That I will deliver what you want me to speak to your people. That your people may receive exactly what you speak to them. That we may be changed. Only your word can change us. Nothing else can change. Nothing else can make us better. Nothing else can improve our situation. Nothing else can transform us but your word. Today, Lord, we, we are in your, in your presence. We want to listen to that word. That word. Let that word come to us. Let that word come to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Release that word over us, Lord. Change as we pray. Change as we pray. Hallelujah. Lord, correct as we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's continue to look at those characters. I mean, we, um, we are on the series by, as you all are aware of it, some of you are coming to the church for the first time. Just to inform you, we are on a series called the Fine Linen Series. Um, because we are, we've, God spoke to us and said this is the year of purification. The Lord is doing an intense work of purification in the church, not just here, but in the church world over. This is an intense work of purification and sanctification that is ongoing. Amen. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? We've been cleansed by the, the word, we've been cleansed by the blood, but we've been sanctified by the word. Amen. The word is separating us. 
Hallelujah. The word is separating us. So have that perspective. So we looked at the sinner woman. Say sinner woman. Uh, the, the woman in that, a woman in that city who was a sinner, the Bible says, who carried an alabaster vial of expensive perfume. And she walked in uninvited, gate crashed into this house, which was hosting a, a gala dinner. Simon, the, the Pharisee, was hosting a gala dinner for the who's who of society to debate and to discuss things. And Jesus was just one among the many for him. But for this woman, she came with this alabaster vial, walked in un uninvited, just so as to worship at the feet of Jesus. Man, I, every time I consider, every time I just repeat, even do a recap, I'm like, there's so much to learn from her. Man, there's so much to learn from that account. And then we looked at Hannah, say Hannah. Hannah, Hannah means, say grace. Hannah, the despised, ridiculed, barren wife of Elkanah. You can put more adjectives. Despised, ridiculed, barren. Hmm? Talked about. Who made a vow in the presence of God, in prayer, and went on to become the mother of six children. Man. The baron gave birth to six. Then we looked at Samuel. Say Samuel. The son of Hannah, of course. The child who served in the house of God. Who heard and responded to the call of God. And went on to become the greatest prophet who ever lived in Israel. Samuel. The last of the judges, man. The last of the prophets in that series of judges. And then in stark contrast to these three characters that we've been considering in the past couple of months maybe. In stark contrast, uh, in the first account that we looked into, the, the woman who was a sinner in that city who came with the alabaster vial. In stark contrast, in that setting, we see Simon the Pharisee. Who had no intention to worship. Who could not recognize Jesus for who he is. Who treated Jesus like just an ordinary person or one among the many who came into his house. Maybe even inferior to some of the people who were in that house that evening. And then we saw Penina. Say Penina. Her name means pearl. Supposed to mean a precious stone. But instead of being what she's supposed to be, she provoked Hannah. Instead of becoming a comfort and an encouragement, we heard about this today. Instead of becoming a comfort and an encouragement to Hannah, she became a provoker. That's right, a stumbling block, so to speak. A provoker. Somebody who's uh, a pain. Agonizing. This woman who was barren and desperate to have a child. And then we saw Hophni and Phinehas. Say Hophni and Phinehas. The two sons of Eli. Amen. So much to learn from those two characters also. They grew up in the house of God. Was raised by Eli, the priest, in that tent of meeting. But they knew nothing about the Lord, the Bible says. They had no clue about the customs of the priest, the Bible says. They despised the offerings of God. They kicked at the, kicked at the sacrifices which were made to God. Amen. They lived with no fear or reverence unto God. 
I told you that it is possible for people to be in Christian homes. It is possible to, uh, for children to be raised in a Christian environment and yet grow up without the reverence and fear of God. And as godly parents, it is our responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go. go. Amen? That he will not depart from it even when he is old. Then we saw Eli. Say Eli. The old man, the priest who served in the, in the tent of, in the house of God, who failed to rebuke and correct his wayward children. What was the mistake of Eli? He failed to correct his children. He failed to rebuke when they were wayward, when they were showing signs of rebellion. When they were running far from God, he did not, he did not bother to correct them. And finally, when the character was already established, the character was already established, he couldn't do anything. Then he tried to talk to them. But it was too late. And then he lived to see the judgment of God come upon the entire household. So through this all, all these characters, all these uh, accounts that we've been looking at, the Lord has been teaching us, the Spirit of God has been teaching us about worship, about devotion unto God, about serving God, about ministry, about reverence, about prayer, about commitment, about making vows unto God. Amen. About the divine process of God. About responding to the call of God. There's so much that the Lord has been teaching us. So I, I, wanted to, I want you to all to know that in this year of purification, say year of purification, in this year of purification, we are all going through that intense process. Say intense process. Intense process is not always pleasant. It's an intense process. Amen. But the outcome, the outcome of the process is going to be glorious. Amen. See, uh, even when we look at the, when we consider the, the work on the cross, I, we mentioned that during worship and prayer, I was saying, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. Say endured. So you need to endure the process. The process can be unpleasant the process can be tough the process can be uh, not something to your liking but you can endure through it for the joy set before you just like Christ endured the cross despised the shame amen hallelujah for the joy set before him are you with me tell your neighbor the Lord is taking me through a process yeah he's taking me through a process Say, I'm, I'm on this process. I'm on this process. Amen. I'm not going to quit. Say, I'm not going to quit. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember one of the uh, phrases that I, used to, that I used to be really fascinated by as a, as a school kid was, winners never quit, quitters never, never win. That is so true in, in, in the kingdom. Winners never quit. Christians never quit. Amen. You cannot quit. Hallelujah. Like we said, the process is precious. Amen. So we're going to continue look at, looking at uh, this account. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4 towards that, the end of that account that we read last week. But I want to look at something this morning. Let's see what the Lord has to minister to us. 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 19 down. Turn your Bibles if you have, or you can follow with us on the screen. 
Now his daughter-in-law, whose daughter-in-law? Say Eli's. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband had died, she kneeled down and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, so she died. About the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken. And because of her father-in-law and her husband, she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. Now we saw in the, in the earlier verses of this chapter, we were considering last week what took place. The children of Israel took things into their own hands. They went out into battle against the Philistines. I was reading that today morning also. Let's, let's just turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4. The first verse, just the first verse, if you can put it up. Is it up? It's so, in, so incredible the way the scripture is constructed here. Thus the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Amen. The previous verses say, talk about his authenticity as a prophet. That not a word that he spoke fell to the ground. He was established in all of Israel as a prophet. And then this next chapter, the opening verse, which is the continuation of the text, it says, Now the word of Samuel came to all Israel. But look at the contrast of the response of this people. Instead of going by the word which came to all Israel. The word came to all Israel. All of them. Nobody was exempt. This prophet was raised in Israel. Everybody from Dan to Beersheba knew that this is a man of God, established by God. And his word, his preaching, his message, his prophetic word came to all Israel. But the very next sentence or the very next uh, line goes like this. It says, Now Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and camped beneath Ebenezer. Why? Why? The word of the Lord came to all Israel. They could have just stayed with the word. Hello, are you with me? When the word comes to you, you can, you can choose to stay with the word or do your own number. See, there is no dearth of word in a Christian's life. Amen. Do you know that? There's no dearth of God's word. There's no shortage. There's no lack for God's word in a Christian's life. Amen. But here we are talking about a time when there was a lack of word, lack of revelation. But finally God raised up one person who could hear God accurately and speak. And Samuel. And his word came to all of Israel. But the very next line says that they went against the word. They don't go by the word of Samuel. They just decide to do their own number. Today, if the Lord is speaking to you, if his word is coming to you, be very careful. And I want you to know that if you're exposed to God's word, God will keep you highly accountable. Highly accountable. Highly accountable. There's no excuse. No excuse. If God's word is coming to you without fail, morning after morning, evening after evening, a Friday after Friday, Sunday after Sunday, if God's word is coming to you, 
in clarity with purpose we we heard that the lord uh, you know he will he will release the word and it comes with a purpose it will not last week you ministered that it comes to us it 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 is sent forth with a purpose to be accomplished on this earth it will not return to him void so that word came to you with a purpose amen, amen? and if you refuse to receive the word or stay with the word you can end up in troubles like this are you with me and we don't like all this but this is the hard reality of walking with the lord amen we need to be led by the spirit we need to be we need to follow god's word there there's always there is always conditions there is always warning there is always pointers how can how can all of israel heard the voice of samuel the prophet who spoke with such clarity yet they went out in battle against philistines ended up having a terrible defeat of 4000 people died 4000 people died just because they decided to take things into their own hands and they chose not to heed to the voice of the prophet god has established over them and the, to make things worse that the very next thing that you see here is they they are trying to figure out why isn't it obvious there was a prophet in your midst god's voice was clearly being spoken to you his word came to you clearly you refused to listen you hardened your heart went against the counsel of god did your own thing and ended up in trouble and then you're asking why and without waiting for the answer as to why they found their own answer and came out with their own solution how how stupid say stupid how stupid can man be how stupid can we be and as a christian see this is something you must come to terms with okay as a christian you must take the word of god very 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 seriously very seriously take it very seriously if god spoke he wants you to pay attention he wants you to know that what he said is what it is going to be or how he wants it to be are you with me so they took things into their own hands handled the ark of god irreverently wow he they handled it without reverence took it out of the tent of meeting with a great shout into the battle ground where it was not supposed to go to kept it in the open expected it to do some wonders for them you know what they were doing they were treating the ark of god as a lucky charm that's what they were doing okay let's try this out now bring the ark of the covenant take it out keep it in the battlefield and let's go do it one more time hit and try it'll work it should work it's a lucky charm the ark of the covenant was reduced to become a lucky charm and they got ran over by the philistines whereas in the first battle only 4000 died in the second battle 30000 died including the two sons of eli and the man who came reporting that story to eli 
told the story, amen, and Eli fell backward. Not because of the shock of his sons dying, but at the shock of the fact that the Ark of the Covenant has been captured by these enemies. Are you able to come through with this? Now we must, we, see some of these passages, we must read, read again, and pray, come back and read to understand the gravity of what is going on. This is one of the most, one of the most gory details in the, in the word, I would say. Very graphic, very, so full of blood. The ark of God was captured and taken over by the Philistines. Okay, let me try to make you understand this, okay? Some of you are still, also what's the big deal? That's, that's the look that you give me. Just to make you understand what this means. What is the Ark of the Covenant? What defined the children of God or the children of Israel and separated them from the rest of the world is the presence of God. The one thing that separated the children of Israel from the rest of the world is the presence of God. They were God's special people. They are still God's special people. And this presence of God was represented by the ark of God. Moses, during the early days of the Exodus, was called up to Mount Sinai by God. God gave him specific word, specific instruction, gave him the pattern on how this ark is supposed to be made out of acacia wood. He gave the measurements and he told him how to deal with it, how it is supposed to be built, how to handle it. Very specific word. And God would speak to Moses from between the two cherubims which were erected on top of the Ark of the Covenant. You know that? So on top of the Ark of the Covenant, okay, let me just, uh, you know, try to run this with you. The Ark of the Covenant has a lid called the mercy seat. And on the mercy seat, there are two cherubims, yeah, facing each other. And God used to speak from between the two cherubims to Moses. And inside the Ark of, of, the, Ark of the Covenant, there is the, uh, the two tablets inscribed, uh, the Ten Commandments. And then we have the Aaron's uh, rod that budded. Yeah? And then we have the jar with manna. All this took place during the Exodus. And I, I was trying to, like, you know, Understand more about what's the significance of the Ark of the Covenant. First of all, the Ark, let's look at all these elements. One is the mercy seat. What is the mercy seat representing? It represents the nature of God. That He's a merciful God. That we, you know, even in the New Testament, we read about the throne of mercy. Are you with me? It's a throne of mercy. Are you with me? All of you? Yeah. So the mercy seat represents the nature of God. And then we have the two cherubims, which represents the holiness of God. That God is eternally to be worshipped. Amen. Amen. That was those two cherubims representing, I believe. He's always worshipped. Always full of holiness. And then we come to the, um, the Ten Commandments inscribed on the two tablets. What does it represent? The standards of God. The commandments of God, the standards, the high standards of God, the instructions of God, that's what it is. 
and then uh, the righteousness of God. The law is the righteousness of God. Exactly. And then we see the, 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 the rod of Aaron. What does it represent? It represents the, the choice of God. Amen. The, the, the rod that budded is, represents that he was chosen. Aaron was chosen by God. The power of God. Huh? The election. That's right, the election. And then we have the, the jar with, the, with manna, which shows the provision of God. Look at that. If every time they consider the Ark of the Covenant, they are, they are reminded of the nature of God. They are reminded of the, the wholeness of God. They're reminded of the, yeah, the mercy of God is the nature of God, the holiness of God. And then they're reminded of the, the standards of God. They're reminded of the provision of God and the choice of God. You must understand how important this ark was to them. God gave it to them with a purpose because he knew that this people would forget him. The reason why it was to be held in high reverence and esteem is because he wanted the people to, to always realize how big is their God. Are you with me? So this ark, which is the very presence of God, reminded the children of his nature, his wholeness, his standards, his choice, his provision, and had they truly considered the ark of God, they would have stayed grounded. Say grounded. But they clearly lost the awareness of God's presence. And as we read in the, the first few chapters of this, uh, of this uh, book, we, really, we know that they lost the awareness of God's presence. In spite of having the ark of the covenant kept in the tent of meeting. God became a stranger to his children. The two born in the Levitical lineage, they did not know God. So God became a stranger to them. They could no longer recognize the presence of God. The ark became to them just a historic artifact. Something of historic relevance to be kept in the museum. It's kept in the, in the museum. If people were to like, you know, study about our history, then they can use the Ark of the Covenant. They can find a few details about our lineage. Nothing more than that. And that's how some of us keep the Bible in our homes. It's just, uh, it's just uh, a showpiece. Thank you. Some Christians treat it like that. And I'm not talking about anybody, about anybody in specific, but some Christians treat it like that. The God's word is kept in their homes as a showpiece. Haven't you seen that? When you go home, when you get, visit certain homes, you see it in a stand and all, kept open. It, it, there can be a library, just keeping all the different Bibles maybe. That's how they treat it. That's exactly how they treated the Ark of the Covenant. A historic artifact. Nothing more than that. And for some of them, it became a sort of like a lucky charm, which can bring them good fortune and keep them from mishaps. Or oh, they face this mishap in, 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 in battle. 
So maybe this lucky charm, bring the lucky charm. And some Christians treat the cross like that, right? We have our lucky charms, by the way. In the Christendom, when I say we, I'm not talking about anybody here, but I'm talking in the Christendom, there are these lucky charms. The Bible can be a lucky charm. The cross that they were can be a lucky charm. Nothing wrong with any of these things, the Bible, the, the cross. Not, not, I'm not against wearing a cross. But the way we understand and perceive these things are exactly like how they perceived it. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. They couldn't understand the presence of God was with them. They were carrying it from place to place. And finally God said, keep it here in this place, in the tent of the meeting. So because they could not recognize the presence of God any longer, they forgot what? The nature of God. They for, say forgot. They forgot that he was a merciful God. They forgot the nature of God. They forgot the holiness of God, that he is to be worshipped, that he is to be revered. They forgot. They forgot that. They forgot the standards of God. They forgot the, the choice of God. They forgot the provision of God. Look at that. If you neglect the presence of God in your life, you are in danger of being in this state. You can forget the nature of God. You can forget the standards of God. You can forget the choice of God. You can forget the provision of God. You can forget the holiness of God. If you start neglecting the presence of God. There's no remembrance of God or his standards anymore. So now look at this. So the wife of Phinehas, she heard this terrible news. Her husband died. Her father-in-law died. She is like frozen. Suddenly labor pain came upon her. She knelt and gave birth. And she's dying. She's dying. And the, the woman who, the women who were beside her said, you have, don't worry, do not be afraid. Be encouraged. Do not be afraid. You have given birth to a son. Some good news in the middle of all the chaos. We sometimes we do that. Some good news. We are trying to find some good news. Some ray of hope. But she said, she did not respond to that. She said, this is Ichabod. The glory has left. Ichabod means no glory. No glory. She did not say, she did not say no Phinehas. She did not say no Eli. She did not say no army. Though these losses would have definitely troubled her. The loss of her husband, the loss of her father-in-law, the loss of the, the army of her nation, her, her people, the loss of many lives that were dear to her would have definitely troubled her. But she did not say any of those things. She said, no glory, Ichabod, the glory left. She named her son Ichabod and died. So now this child, fatherless, motherless, uncle died, grandfather died, relatives would have died. The Ark of the Covenant, he, he, he was born in such a time. He became the symbol of the state of this people of Israel. Such a heart-wrenching story, tragedy of the highest order. And some of you might think, why must the church consider this story on a Sunday morning? 
the the troubling details of this tragic account what is in here for a new testament believer you might be wondering what is in here for those who are those of us who are in the dispens dispensation of grace we are in the dispensation of grace we are the church we are the new testament believers why should we go in the details of what happened in the old testament to such precision why are we trying to figure things out here and i would say if there is an account in the bible which the 21st century church awaiting the imminent return of jesus christ must consider and learn and study and give attention to this is their account the church today of all generations before us resemble the state of affairs which this people that we just read about were in i'll i'll explain to you okay let me try to explain let me try to bring these things to perspective look at the israel then okay they had everything say everything they had the covenant say covenant they had the law say law they had the promises in fact they even inherited the promised land they walked into the promised land the allocation was already made they were settled in the land that god promised their forefathers the enemies they had were subdued before them they had the judges from time to time god raised judges they had the judges they had the ark of god they had the presence of god on the outside they seem to have had everything say everything but on the inside they were drifting far from god their hearts were not with god they knew nothing about god they forgotten how to worship until they reached that point when ikabod ikabod was born nobody in israel acknowledged the actual condition and that is scary think about it it took the dying mother of ikabod to finally say ikabod nobody admitted the state of affairs like we say nobody called a spade a spade nobody realized that they were gradually say gradually moving towards ikabod they were living a pretense a pretense this people whom god has chosen and god brought out from captivity god led through the wilderness god brought them to the promised land and did miracles and signs and wonders of the highest order they were living a life of pretense say pretense and i want you to know that ikabod did not happen all of a sudden and it might it might look like it happened like all of a sudden unexpected one fine day ikabod happened one fine day the ark of the covenant was taken but the truth of the matter is ikabod happened over a period of time it was a slow in fact even when we study the new testament the bible wants about drifting said drifting talks about drifting from the faith meaning it is not something that will happen just like that it happens over a period of time and the bible wants us christians of the tendency of man to drift from god 
హలో ఐ విత్ మీ ఇట్ ఈస్ నాట్ లైక్ వన్ ఫైన్ దే ద గ్లోరీ లెఫ్ట్ జస్ట్ లైక్ ఓకే లుక్ దిస్ జస్ట్ లైక్ ఫినహాస్ ఫినహాస్ వైఫ్ కన్సీవ్ దిస్ చైల్డ్ ఇన్ అ వూమ్ she bore the child in her womb for several months hey with me and finally the child came out and the child was called ikabod that's exactly what happened in the spiritual it was a process the glory leaving israel was a a process coming to the conclusion no ikabod was a process during that time they overlooked the warnings look at that there were warnings given to them all the several judges who judged them gave them warnings one judge after the other was raised to give them warnings they ignored the lack of word and revelation so they, the it, the bible very clearly says they were there was a lack of word there was a lack of visions or revelations but they ignored that they overlooked the fact that word was word is not coming to us the way it used to come they compromise their worship hello just flow with me just flow with me god wants you to flow with me today they compromise their worship they allowed the three pronged fork in the temple in the in the place of worship that this th- these people who were supposed to be the representatives or supposed to be the ministers of god they stood with three pronged forks which was thrust into the the boiling pot of sacrifice unto god so they ignored that they prevented true worshipers from worshiping god they made life difficult for the worshipers who came to shiloh they allowed the despising of the offerings nobody questioned that they overlooked the kicking at the sacrifice of god they were silent to the heinous heinous sins heinous mistakes of the children the parents kept quiet no correction they permitted look at this they permitted adultery at the temple gates they allowed it to happen all of them were aware of it it was not just mere rumors it was reports true reports reports about what is going on at the temple gate they silenced the voice of correction they despised spiritual authority eli just became a a, a a a silly old man about to die they defined their own rights and wrongs they defined what is right what is wrong not not the word anymore not the counsel of god anymore they overlooked their defeats they devised their solutions they took things into their own hands they made their own strategies the children of israel this is what happened before ikabod say before ikabod so they had they had all these evidences they had all these trends today we call it trends you know those of you who you know who follow the markets we look at trends they had all these trends they had all this um numbers or tendencies to watch out for to see and analyze and understand and come to the conclusion that yes kabod is moving glory is slowly shifting 
But they overlook that. Are you with me? Are you with me? And how accurately does the 21st century church or 21st century Christianity resemble this state of affairs? I hope you can see that. The description of Israel during that time perfectly fits what is going on in the church today. Yes, we are the church. Just like the Israelites who dwelt in the promised land, which they inherited, we also boast about so many things. As Christians, we boast about so many things. We boast about the fact that we are blood washed. Say blood washed. Yes, it's a good thing. We are blood washed. It must be a conviction every single day of our lives. We are blood washed. We are born again. Say born again. We are born again. That's our, that's our statement. That's the truth of the matter. We are born again. We are spirit filled. Are you spirit filled? We speak in tongues. We operate in the gifts. We have miracles, signs and wonders. We are heavenward bound. We have a better covenant which speaks better things. And acted upon, upon better promises. Are you with me? We have grace, say grace. And we have the Bible, say Bible. Say we have missions. We have evangelism. But think about this. Just like the Israelites in the above context, have you overlooked the tendencies of drifting away from God? Are we allowing it to happen? Maybe you are not drifting away from God. But are we allowing this to happen in the churches? Is there a drift that we are compromising to? Have we compromised on the things that matter to God? Have we allowed ungodly trends to grow within the church? Have we silenced the voice of correction and rebuke? within the church? Do we manipulate what is being spoken to us? Maybe with our money, with our influence, with our gestures, with our expressions. I don't like what you say. Don't give it to me. Threatening to do something. Are we manipulating? Are we trying to silence the voice of correction? Have we permitted unholiness in the guise of being evangelistic. Ah, look at that. Let's, let's allow it to happen. Let's not, let's not put the, the foot down so fast. Let's just endure it for some more time. Because we have to be evangelistic. We have to reach the unreached at any cost. Have we watered down the standards of God in the pretense of being welcoming? Bring it down, the standards of God. Let's water it down. So that we can be welcoming. So that more people can find this faith appealing. Have you endured the, the mistakes of our children? And failed to prevent them from going their own ways? Have you 
have we devised our own solutions have we taken things into our own hands and formed our own strategies devoid of the counsel of god i think we have when i say we i mean the so called church at large i'm not talking about the true church and today i want you to know there is a true church and the so called church there's a real church there's a real church there's a true church that that christ is building and there is a so called church which has become which has, which is which has reduced to just an human organization an earthly organization the true church is not called to be ikabod are with me the true church the destiny of the true church is not ikabod the true church is kabod and god will not permit his church to be found in that place of no glory the bible talks about from glory to glory we are taken from glory to glory amen and and that's god's intention and we talks about the the latter glory will be greater than the it's talking about the church do you know that's talking about the church it's talking about you and i it's talking about the true church it's not talking about the defeated church the compromised church the lukewarm church no it's talking about the true church the true church is the place of unfading glory the bible talks about unfading glory the glory that these people were exposed to was a fading glory amen in fact moses used to cover his face veil his face because he did not want the children of israel to see that the glory on his face is fading away do you know that now you don't know that every time he went up to meet with god there will be glory on his face and when he came down they were so terrified by the sight of this man's the glow on his face but then he used to put a veil because he did not want them to know that the glory is fading away but the glory that we have is unfading glory amen and god will not allow the church to move towards ikabod we are going greater say greater glory say greater glory the true church understands god's word differently say differently yes there is a there's a majority opinion about god's word the majority take on what god's word is about the true church is not going by the majority opinion is going by god's opinion because it is god's word it's his interpretation because it is his standard the true church acknowledges the presence of god The true church treasures and maintains the glory of God. Amen. The true church is the body of worshipers not dragging their feet to come to the presence of God, but the body of worshipers whom the the true worshipers whom the Lord whom the Father was seeking. Amen. Amen. And they live with that conviction, yes, I am the true worshiper Amen. whom the Father was seeking. and i will live up to his expectation by the grace of god
See, I, I want you to know, you might not like this, but I want you to know, Jesus Christ is not coming for a drowsy church. He is not coming for those who can hardly, hardly sing one song or hardly express a, a line of love or worship unto him. He's not coming for them. He's not. He's coming for the ones who are wide awake. Say wide awake. The, 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 the flask is full of oil. The wise women, the wise virgins. That's right, the wise virgins. I'm... Paul said, I, 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 I betrothed you to Christ. I betrothed you to Christ as to one man Christ. As a chaste virgin. And I burn with godly jealousy for you. So he's not going to allow nonsense in the church. He's not going to allow lukewarm, lukewarmness in the church. No. See, gone are the days. Those days are behind us. The time is very imminent. The coming of the Lord is very, very, very close. He's, he's preparing the bride. He's, he's awakening them. He's quickening them. The generation that's going to see the coming of the Lord is now. It's this generation. It's this generation. Yeah. Not the ones who are touchy. Oh, I didn't like that. What are you going to like then? What are you going to like then? You didn't like that? Then what are you going to like? The true church is the body of true worshippers consumed with a passion to please God. Oh, even when um, Sister Elsa was praying, I was so touched by that one line that she said, Lord, we are not man-pleasers, we are you-pleasers. Now that's the state of who we are. Now we, we must truly understand, God has called us to be God-pleasers. We are not man-pleasers. A man-pleasers cannot please God for even for a minute of his life. You cannot. If you're a man-pleaser, you will not live one full day pleasing God. Because you have watered down the standards of God. You're so full of yourself. You're so full of... As she was praying and as she was making this prayer, I was sitting there and the Lord was telling me, this is a sign of people who truly, uh, truly are ready for the coming of the Lord. You know what it is? Where is the focus? What are they consumed by? Now you can look at your own life. If you are so consumed about what your, your work and the money that is coming, the, the investment that you made and uh, what you're going to buy, what you're going to sell, what you're going to earn, what you're gonna, where you're going to go and how your kids are going to be, all those, if these things are ruling the decisions of your life, then you're not ready for the coming of the Lord. And that's the absolute truth. Now, if you're not ready to do what God is going to make you do, or God expects you to do, when you reach there, if you're not already doing, it, doing that in the way it is supposed to be done, then you're not ready. You, I mean, you, how many of you think that you're going you're gonna to take all these things with you to heaven? Some of you think you, have, you, you can go with your ATM card and there'll be an ATM counter in heaven, can draw money out. See, first of all, understand all the gold that you... You, you go by what? 916 standard, right? All the gold that you hold up in this 
on this side of eternity has no value in comparison to the gold that we're going to have there. That's the truth, whether you like it or not. And some of you are like, don't touch the gold. Pastor, don't talk about gold. But God is asking me to talk, talk about gold. Amen? We're going to have a high, we're going to really see the, the actual pure gold in heaven. We're going to see the actual, the, the real pure gold, pure gold. A man cannot define that standard. Hallelujah. And if you're so consumed about, oh, what am I going to do next year? And the year after that, five years from now, how I'm going to get my kids married or how I'm going to take care of their education. I'm going to do this and that. You're so consumed. You're so worried about every single thing. You're, you have no time to serve God. You have no time to please your master who enlisted you for service. Get a life. Get a life. Not this life. Life above. Amen. Eternal life. Live eternal life now on this earth when you live on this earth live that eternal life set your minds on mind on things above not on things below but what to do we have so many things it's all written like that but you know when it was written he probably did not think about all the things that we have to face today Paul did not take into account all the things that we, the 21st century modern day believer will have to face today. Set your mind on things above. Very easy to say. But how about all the things that are here right now? I'm dealing with so many things. See, God's word is never outdated. Amen. It is never outdated. It is never outdated. This message is not outdated. You know, if you consider that this man who is ministering to you is outdated, old-fashioned, it's okay. What the, the God that I serve is from eternity past. And this book that I preach is from, yeah, you understand? And this faith that I have is some 2,000 years old. So I don't have any problem in you considering me old-fashioned. And you must be proud that you're part of something which is from eternity to eternity. Rather than be swayed by something that is here today and gone tomorrow. Yes. Hallelujah. Jesus. And it's interesting to know what took place after the Philistines took the ark of God. It is. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. It's a true church. true church. Ask your neighbor, are you part of the true church? By the way, there is a distinction, okay? And in some places, it is so, it's, it's, it's in the open also. Now, we are talking about this and some of you are not able, okay, what do you mean by true church? Are you talking about denominations? Are you talking about revelations, a true church? And the other church next door is not a true church. No, I'm not talking about that. Within the so-called church, there is a true church, a remnant. It's always been like that, a remnant. The question is, are you part of that remnant or not? No, in, in, in places like China, there are churches that are, have allegiance to the government. And the government determines, they are approved by the government. The government determines what they preach, what they profess, what they do, what they believe. It's also called a? You didn't know that? It's also called church. Government approved church. But there's also a true church. They call it underground church. 
but the true church those are the believers who are willing to pay the price amen and running after the one true living god amen, amen. hallelujah we may not understand all these things because we come from a different strata altogether we come from a different background altogether but know this for sure there is a true church there is a real church and there is a so called church and there's a distinction and god has spoken to me about distinction in 2020 before 2020 2019 and the lord said i will bring about a distinction between those who serve me and those who don't don't and god did exactly that and he'll continue to do that exactly that he will he will make sure the bible is a defining line which brings about distinction amen it brings about it draws the line of distinction amen it draws the line of distinction there'll be a separation of the wheat and the chaff yes. there will be amen there'll be hallelujah and that will be evident in every a strata of society in everything every area of life there'll be a distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve god and those who do not there will be and that's how it is that's god's word and as much as we would not like all that does not fit our understanding it's okay it may not fit your understanding but we are not going by your understanding we are going by god's understanding First Samuel chapter 5 Now the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon say Dagon or Dagon I'll call it I'll say Dagon to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning behold Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord So they took Dagon and set him in his place again When they arose early in the next morning behold Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon both, both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold only the trunk of Dagon was left to him therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day So they took the ark of the covenant they took the to the uh, took the ark of god from the designated place of worship and kept it in the open expecting it to do wonders in the battlefield it backfired gave them a terrible defeat loss of lives loss loss of money loss of everything loss of the glory to understand this god will not do anything outside of his order he will not do and you might have fancy ideas about how to deal with the ark of the covenant how to deal with the presence of god how to go about worship that's your idea god is not fancied by your idea he will do nothing outside of the order of god so now the ark got captured and was taken away by the gentiles and they have no idea what to do with it because they are not used to this god they serve pagan gods they serve the idols they they serve graven images that's what the world do that's what they do and they have no clue about how to handle the presence of god now the presence of god it's not an artifact mind you it's not a lucky charm 
It is the presence of God. So they have no idea how to deal with the presence of God. They have no idea about, about worship. They will not know. Today the church is seeking the counsel of the world with regards to worship. Hello. We are following the counsel of the world. We are following the advice of the world with regards to how we must worship. How we must treat the presence of God. Some of them tell us how we must worship. How long we must worship. When we must worship. What we must do, what we must not do. Why? Why? Where do you find in the word that the world knows a thing or two about how to deal with the presence of God? How to handle the presence of God? Then why is it that we follow their instruction when it comes to how we must worship, when we must worship? Are you with me? Today the church is seeking the world's counsel on things pertaining to worship. About the presence of God. They will not know. Just like the Philistines who were clueless. Say clueless. Oh, say clueless. Oh, you're not getting this. Say clueless. Oh, say clueless. Say clueless. This is what so many of you can make. This is the... One more time say clueless. All of you say clueless. Say clueless. The Philistines were... On what to do with the ark of God. Just like them, the world is clueless about the presence of God. They don't know the presence of God like we do. Amen. So the church must not seek the world in matters pertaining to worship. Get into the word. Hallelujah. If you want to learn worship, get into the word. Amen. If you want to learn the things of God, get into God's word. His likes, his dislikes, his standards. You will see it here. Amen. To know God's likes and dislikes, to know his standards, there's no other place to go. God's word, understand the word. So the Philistines took the ark of God from Ebenezer, where the battle took place. To Asdoth and kept it alongside Dagon, their pagan god. And that's as far as the world can go with regards to your worship. Do you know that? With regards to Jesus, that's as far as the world can go. They will treat him like the many other gods that they have heard of. Are you with me? And we, we feel so happy. At least they're, they're acknowledging us as Christians. At least they are acknowledging us as Christians. We feel so happy about it. Them placing Christ among the many other gods that are in the world, that are being followed after in the world, does not make your God the God of the Bible. Yes. You understand? The God of the Bible is a bow. Say a bow. He is not one among the many gods. No, no. There is no God like our God. There is no rock like our God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a bow. He is supreme. He's sovereign. Oh, His name is above every other name. Yes. So don't get so excited because they call, uh, you know, they call many names and they also mention Jesus. No. He cannot be mentioned alongside with any other name. Oh, 
they consider christianity as among one among the many ways or philosophies and the so called church is so so happy about it at least get, we get the approval of the government at least we get the approval of the world of the systems of this world we don't need the approval of the systems of this world don't water down the standards of god do not water down don't bring it down it is not about the establishment it is not about the walls it's not about the structure it's not about building an empire it's not about, it's not about making a mega church it's, it's about making his church his church he's got a blueprint he's got a plan the glory of the church is not in the numbers is in the presence of god Amen. that's not how our god must be perceived that's not how jesus must be perceived he is the king of kings the lord of lords he deserves the only place of worship is the one true god the one living living god the creator the creator god the one who created all things the soon and coming king the one who's going to rule the nations amen and his government is without end that's the god that we serve don't place him that's why the bible is so clear we we read those scriptures and we have no clue what it it means he's above all rule and authority and powers and dominion what does that mean he is not subject to the rules of man or the decrees of this world he's above and if you keep jesus if you're happy keeping jesus alongside with all the other gods if you're happy uh, christianity being named amongst one among the many ways you are soon going to be transformed into a state controlled church where the state governs what how the church must be the world determines medical science determines how we must function don't allow it we saw that now whatever you saw a few years back it was just a is just a what do you call it? a dress rehearsal of the things to come is a glimpse of the things the deception that is to come and we must not fall for it it's time to raise our standards let the church arise let's go for the real thing we sang that song today the real thing we cannot allow the church to be controlled by human establishments human systems that is not the true church that is a so called church yes when we live we have to live peaceably with all men yes agreed we must obey the law of the land yes but when it comes to our faith we run by a different law we are governed by a supreme authority who's above when we pray things happen that's why it is important that's why the bible instructs believers to pray for those in authority it's not without any reason it's for a reason so that you can live peaceably on this earth amen what they decree what they bring out as law is is upon your tongue you pray and come bring things into existence amen hallelujah 
See, without God, there's no, see, no governments, no, there's no throne established under heaven without the permission of Jesus Christ. Everything is subject to him. You didn't know that? So they kept the ark of God alongside with Dagon. It was set by Dagon, the Bible says. The next day morning, they opened the place to see and they saw Dagon fallen prostrate in worship before the ark of God. Yes. Say every knee. every knee. Every knee means every knee. Every, every system. Amen. Every system Amen. will acknowledge that he is Lord. Amen. Every system. Amen. And God does not need man's assistance for that. See, the Ark of the Covenant by, was all by itself. There's no secretary, there's no treasurer, there's no committee. Hello? Not getting this. There's nobody, there's no human entity to support the cause of the Ark of the Covenant. It is all by itself in this house alongside with the pagan God which these people have erected. The next day morning they opened. They're seeing their God in worship, that is what it is. Bowing down. The idol had to, I'm just an idol. I, I don't have any powers. But this is the true living God. He fell down. Okay, then they thought, okay, let's put, they thought maybe an earthquake. Maybe a wind. Maybe something would have happened. Some force of nature would have pushed their God, toppled their God by, by chance. So they put him back again, erected this, this huge figure of Dagon. Next day morning they came. This time again he is on the floor. But head is separated, palms are separated, only the torso of this idol remains. I'm telling you, God will bring about such a work through the church, in the church, amen, where every system that man is exalting will be brought low. Every system, every idol will be brought low. They will bow down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And the church will see. Yes. Before we are taken, we will see that. Amen. And God, God is not waiting for, for uh, you know, some people to like, you know, okay, let's, let's, um, let me just wait for them to um, come out with some strategy. He's not dependent on you for strategy. He does not want your strategy. Your strategy comes from the world. Amen. He's got his own plan. Which he will execute, whether you like it or not. Jeez. Come to terms with this. God does not need man's assistance to prove that he is God. He does not need man's PR. Christ does not need your PR to prove that he is God. When you do work for him, it is your privilege to witness Christ. Evangelism is your privilege. The greatest privilege that you can know is evangelizing. The greatest privilege to share the fame, to, to spread the fame of this God. But he is not dependent on you for that. But by his choice, he has elected you. Man, he has called you. The church has been called for such a time as this to do a work. And it's a privilege to respond and go by the plan of God. The true church will stand with him. It's the greatest of privileges to declare the excellencies of God. You are a chosen race, a holy generation, a royal priesthood, God's special people. 
who are called to declare the excellencies of God. That's who you are. That's, that's your privilege. That's your privilege. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. You serving God is the greatest privilege in your life. Do not despise it. You being able to serve God is the greatest privilege that you can ever know. Man, never despise it. Never despise it. Don't seek something better than that. You cannot seek for something better. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for my big break. No. What is the big break? The big break happened when the chains of you fell broken. Amen. Amen. And you came to Christ. That's the big break. Now you serve Christ. You are free. Been set free to serve Him. That's your big break. There's no, there's no further big break for you. Your God is not one among the many gods. Your God is not one among the many gods. Jesus Christ is not one among the many names. His name is above. God exalted His name and made His name. Far above. Say far above. That's where His name is. Every name there is a name in this age or in the age to come. Whether in heaven or on this earth or under the earth. Man, there's no name. There's no name greater than the name of Jesus. Church must know this. You must know this. By now you must know this. If you don't know this, I came to inform you. If you're misinformed, I came to inform you that this name is above every other name. Jesus is above every other name. Amen. The only name that matters. The only God. The one true God. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 onwards, okay? Husbands, say husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. Say sanctify. That he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Man, the cleansing have, has already happened. But he wants to sanctify her. Man, and we are going through that process of sanctification. You are clean by the word that you received. You are clean by the blood that is upon you. But you are being separated from this world. You are being sanctified. That he might present, look at this. That he might present to himself the church in all, say all. So Ichabod does not apply to you. Amen. God, in God's plan, there is no Ichabod. The glory of the church is not going to be drained. It's only going to get better. Amen. The true church is only going from glory to glory. Because the Bible says, according to the script of Jesus Christ, it says that he is going to present for himself, under himself, the church in all her glory. Amen. Amen. We are not departing from glory. We are going into glory. Greater glory. Day after day, we are, being go we are going. We are, we are entering the glory zone. Amen. Amen. Of a greater measure. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Say glory. glory. Say glory. glory. You are the city of God. You are the glory of God. The city of God. Mount Zion. Where the glory of God resides. That's the church. We are not departing from anything. Nothing is departing from us. If you follow through with what God is doing, if you are yielded 
to the cleansing, to the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, He will ensure that we are presented unto Himself in all of the church's glory. All. That's why the church must be so excited. Every time the word is being preached, you must be so excited because the word is doing something in me. It's the work of sanctification happening. I, it might not look so pleasant to me, but I know that I'm becoming better. I see things with the eyes of faith. I see things with spiritual eyes. I understand this is the zone of glory. The zone of glory. The work of glorification. Hallelujah. Don't be swayed. Don't be swayed by all the gimmicks. Say gimmicks. We, we see a lot of gimmicks. The devil is distracting the church today with all the gimmicks. And we, we are not called to follow the gimmicks of this world. Amen. We know there's a timeline. We know there's an urgent work that is happening. God is about to do something according to his time. We just follow with his time. That's all. That's all. Amen. We are not going to hurry it. The urgency is to follow his plan. Amen. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. See, the, the plan of God is not made in man's boardrooms. The plan of God proceeds from the mouth of God, from the heart of God. He speaks and it shall be. Amen. Amen. Creation was his plan. Where did it come from? From within him. By his word. Amen. So everything that is happening, every work that is ongoing on this earth, with regards to the church, it is according to his word. His word, his word, his word. Treat his word seriously. Take his word seriously. Amen. Don't twist it. Don't manipulate it. Don't try to dilute it. Don't water it down. Take the word for what it is. It is God's word, his standards, Amen. his righteous standards. The only thing that can make any sense when everything is said and done. The only thing that has eternal value. The words of eternal life. Not, do you know that nothing on this earth has eternal value? Not a single thing on this earth has eternal value. Except you and me because we believe in the word of God. All the elements, the Bible says, I don't know whether you've read that, but you understand that. All the elements will melt. It'll melt. Huh? With Indian seed, all the elements will melt. The dollar, the gold, the bullion. Think about diamonds, investments, this and that. All the elements of this world will burn, will melt with Indian seed. What remains, endures forever, is the word of God. And if you believe in that word, you will endure forever. You will remain forever. That's why you are called to dwell in God's word and let, you, let his words dwell in you. Amen. You're born of God's word. You're not, not born of man. You're not born of the impulse of man. You've been born of God, the seed of God. The imperishable word of God, the imperishable seed of God's word. Hallelujah. So you're going to remain. You have eternity in you. Your, your DNA has been transformed. It's eternal in nature. Amen. It is eternal in nature. Your physical being might decay, but there is a, there's a being within you. Amen. Amen. Which is not going to decay. Amen. Hallelujah. Put on, you will put on immortality, the Bible says. This mortal flesh will put on the immortal. 
Say glory. We're not kabod. We're kabod. Say kabod. Say greater glory. Man, say unfading glory. It's a work that is going ongoing in our lives. Be yielded to it. Amen. Be yielded to it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That he might press into himself the church in all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. That's what he's doing in us. Blameless, making you without blemish, without wrinkle, lacking in nothing. Hallelujah. That he will do. Man, go by the plan of God. Go by God's word, the word. Man, do not be like the, the children of Israel who had the voice of God being preached in their midst. The word of God came to them through Samuel in all of Israel, but they did their own thing. Don't be like them. Man, when the word is coming to you, take. Take it. Stay with the word. Tell your neighbor, stay with the word. Stay with the word. Receive the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Receive the word. Respond to the word. Hallelujah. Even if you're the only person, the only person who's hearing that word, be that only person. But stay with the word. Don't be swayed by, oh, I'm the only person here. It's okay. With, with, ah. That's right. God has reserved a remnant for sure. Amen. There's a remnant for sure. I, I'm telling you. Amen. You are not a small, you're not a small group of people. There's a remnant that God has reserved. Amen. And, the, and creation is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Meaning that there's going to be a revelation of the true sons of God. Amen. That's right. Who, have not, who has not bowed their knees to the balls of this world. In the last days, the Bible says, in the last days, men will heap up for themselves preachers or teachers according to their own loss. Accumulate for themselves things that they love to hear. That things that tickle their ear. Be not, do not be like that. The word, the word is the most precious thing. I'm telling you, the, the word is the most precious thing that can come your way. In, in purity. See, the, the word of God is pure. It's pure, refined. Amen. Better than silver, silver that is refined seven times, the Bible says. More precious than gold or silver, the Bible says. That's how pure this word is. Men, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Amen. Don't try to, uh, you know, put frills. Don't try to decorate. <laughs> Don't try to decorate the word. The word is God. Amen. God does not need assistance. He does not need any frills. He does not need. He will just stand for himself. Others will fall, crash, break. The torso only will remain. But he remains who he is. I am who I am. That's right. I am who I am. 